If you're enjoying this Crush Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Questions podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high-yield and high-quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day. My name is Tulsi Shaw, and I'm a medical student as well as one of the authors of Crush Step 1. This is part two of the Pharmacology and Toxicology chapter of Crush Step 1, second edition. Autonomic Nervous System and Signal Transduction Overview The nervous system is broken down into the central, brain and spinal cord, and peripheral, everything else, nervous systems. The peripheral nervous system includes the somatic or voluntary and autonomic or involuntary nervous systems. The autonomic nervous system is further divided into the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, as seen in figure 7.6a. In this chapter, the autonomic nervous system is described because understanding the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems is critically important to understanding their pharmacology. The autonomic nervous system is automatic or involuntary, It involuntarily regulates the body's activities, such as the activity of the intestines, tone of blood vessels, heart rate, secretions, and more. Recall that the sympathetic and parasympathetic divisions make up the autonomic nervous system. The actions of each of them are mostly opposing. The sympathetic nervous system regulates the four F's of life, fight, flight, fright, and sex. The goal of the sympathetic nervous system is to keep you alive in a dangerous situation or one that requires a lot of activity. The parasympathetic nervous system, as seen in figure 7.6b, mediates the rest and digest response when it is safe to be more sedentary and promotes gastrointestinal or GI motility, defecation, and urination. You wouldn't want to have to use the bathroom when running from an attacker. Sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nerves lead from the thoracolumbar or thoracic and lumbar spinal cord. The primary neurotransmitter of the sympathetic nervous system is norepinephrine, 
but epinephrine is indirectly a key player because the adrenal medulla releases epinephrine into the bloodstream to further activate the sympathetic response. The sympathetic nervous system exerts its effect through alpha and beta receptors. Alpha-1 receptors act as smooth muscle constrictors, meaning that they tighten sphincters. Again, don't want to use the bathroom when running from a tiger and also contract the smooth muscles of arterioles in the circulatory system by vasoconstriction, increasing systemic vascular resistance and raising blood pressure. Goal of this vasoconstriction is to decrease blood flow to non-vital areas and redirect it to skeletal muscle to support activity. Those parts of the body that are less vital to be perfused during activity will have more of these receptors, causing more vasoconstriction in these areas. In addition, the pupillary dilator muscles in the eye has alpha-1 receptors, which cause dilation of the pupil to allow more light in during the fight-or-flight response. Phenylephrine is a pure alpha-1 agonist that clamps down blood vessels, often used to raise blood pressure in hypotensive patients in the operating room and also used to stop runny noses, constricting vessels in the nose to stop vascular congestion. Alpha-2 receptors act as negative feedback to keep the sympathetic response regulated. Clonidine is an alpha-2 agonist and therefore through negative feedback has a net effect of decreasing sympathetic outflow, which is beneficial in the treatment of hypertension, but more commonly is used to manage the sympathetic nervous system activation surges that often accompany opiate withdrawal in patients attempting to quit their addiction. Beta-1 receptors are found mostly in the heart and act as cardiac stimulants. They mainly increase the rate, or chronotropy, and contractility, or inotropy, of the heart, allowing for increased cardiac output and delivery of blood to tissues to support their increased activity during one of those four acts. Beta blockers work by preventing activation of this receptor, which ensures that the heart doesn't work too hard or require more oxygen in patients with heart disease. In patients with heart failure, Prolonged sympathetic activation actually causes long-term remodeling and changes in the heart that are maladaptive. Beta blockade also helps prevent this neurohumoral remodeling. Beta-2 receptors act as smooth muscle relaxers, which seems counterintuitive when contrasted with alpha-1 receptors. However, it is the location of these receptors that is important. To increase blood flow to skeletal muscle, more beta-2 receptors instead of alpha-1 receptors are found on arterioles feeding skeletal muscles. In addition, beta-2 receptors are found on the bronchioles of the lung, and activation of these receptors relaxes smooth muscle in this area, allowing for better airflow during breathing, which is why the beta-2 agonist albuterol is so effective in treating asthma. You have one heart, beta-1 works on the heart, and you have two lungs, beta-2 works on the lungs. Signal transduction pathways. All of the aforementioned receptors, and all receptors, need to trigger some sort of signal transduction pathway to relay the message and start the cascade that eventually causes the intended effect of the receptor. The most common pathway for this is through G-protein-coupled receptors, or GPCRs, which are also known as seven transmembrane domain receptors because they cross the cell membrane seven times. There are many subtypes of GPCRs, each of which has a different downstream pathway. It is important to understand the GQ, GS, and GI pathways, only three. Now that you understand what each receptor of the sympathetic nervous system does, it is time to move on to how it does it through these GPCRs.
GPCRs have alpha, beta, and gamma subunits and are active when a signal molecule, i.e. a neurotransmitter or drug, attaches to the receptor and causes the alpha subunit to exchange its bounding inactive guanosine diphosphate, or GDP, for an active guanosine triphosphate, or GTP. This activates the alpha subunit to in turn activate the beta-gamma complex, which will then go on to activate whatever downstream pathway is involved, depending on whether or not it goes through the GQ, GS, or GI pathway. The alpha subunit has a GTPase, which will eventually hydrolyze one of the phosphates off of GTP to change it back to inactive GDP to ensure that the signal doesn't continue going on forever. Note, these alpha and beta are subunits of the GPCR, different from the alpha and beta sympathetic nervous system receptors discussed previously. First, GQ. The GQ pathway has the end result of increasing calcium levels in the targeted cells, the alpha-1 receptors on the arterioles of blood vessels, the calcium surge causes contraction of those muscles and therefore causes vasoconstriction. The exact mechanism of how calcium release allows muscular contraction is covered in detail in Chapter 12. Refer to the graphic that depicts the GQ pathway. The active beta-gamma complex activates phospholipase C, cleaving the PIP2 molecule into IP3 and diacylglycerol, or DAG. The IP3 binds to a special channel on the sarcoplasmic reticulum, an organelle in smooth muscle cells that holds calcium to be ready for contraction, and releases that calcium. DAG, on the other hand, can be made into prostaglandins, which regulate pain and inflammatory responses and also activates protein kinase C, or PKC, which can phosphorylate other molecules and exert other effects, as seen in figure 7.7a. Second, GS. The GS pathway has the end result of activating protein kinase A, or PKA, which phosphorylates various proteins to modify their activity. Kinases phosphorylate things, dephosphorylases remove phosphates from things. The active beta-gamma complex activates adenylocyclase, causing cyclic adenosine monophosphate, or CAMP, production, which activates PKA. Both beta-1 and beta-2 receptors work through this pathway, each phosphorylating proteins that in turn cause their intended effects, seen in figure 7.7b. Third, GI. Luckily, this one is easy. It inhibits adenylocyclase, preventing CAMP production and PKA activation. GS stimulates CAMP production, GI inhibits. Parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system has nerves that exit from the cervicosacral spinal cord. Neurons that have parasympathetic activity are also found in some of the cranial nerves, specifically cranial nerves 3, 7, 9, 10, discussed in detail in Chapter 13. The parasympathetic nervous system mediates the rest and digest response. When you are relaxed and sedentary, your body slows the heart rate, increases blood flow to the intestines, and promotes digestion and promotes urination and defecation, all of the body maintenance activities that the body previously put on hold while you were running from the trigger. In contrast to the sympathetic nervous system, which uses catecholamines such as norepinephrine and epinephrine, the parasympathetic nervous system uses acetylcholine to exert most of its effects on the body through muscarinic receptors. M1, M3, and M5 are odd receptors. 
use the GQ pathway described previously. M3 receptors cause smooth muscle contractions as smooth muscles that aren't sphincters, because if your sphincters were tight, it would make urinating and defecating difficult. An example of this contraction is a detrusor muscle, the smooth muscle of the urinary bladder, promoting urination. The M3 receptor also increases glandular secretions, importantly in the parasympathetic mediated digestion response as well as in bronchial secretions, in which blocking this receptor is helpful to patients with asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. Again, the GQ pathway causes a calcium surge, leading to smooth muscle contraction through calcium release from the sarcoplasmic reticulum. But the receptors are in locations different from the sympathetic alpha-1 receptors that also mediate smooth muscle contraction. In general, the odd-numbered muscarinic receptors are excitatory, whereas the even-numbered muscarinic receptors are inhibitory. A way to remember this is it's odd to be excited about muscarinic receptors. The M1 and M5 receptors are much less clinically important. M2 and M4 are even receptors. As you may guess from earlier, M2 and M4 receptors are inhibitory and therefore act through the GI pathway. The most important inhibitory muscarinic receptor is the M2 receptor found on the atria of the heart. The inhibitory actions on the sinus node, the pacemaker of the heart, cause a decreased heart rate as well as decreased contractility of the atria only. The ventricles do not have a high density of these receptors, and ventricular contractility is unaffected. Pharmacology Adrenergic Pharmacology Adrenergic pharmacology will address how drugs manipulate catecholamines such as norepinephrine and epinephrine and their G-protein-linked alpha-1, alpha-2, beta-1, and beta-2 receptors. Drugs modifying this system have a wide clinical application, from treating anaphylactic shock, the most severe allergic response, with epinephrine to helping people with benign prostatic hyperplasia or BPH urinating. Just as with the cholinomimetics, the sympathomimetics can act either directly through receptor agonists or indirectly. The indirect sympathomimetics work either by preventing reuptake of catecholamines or by increasing release of them. Catecholamines are synthesized from tyrosine and subsequently undergo various modification steps, as seen in Figure 7.8a. Figure 7.8b depicts an adrenergic synapse. The presynaptic neuron is stimulated to release norepinephrine into the synaptic cleft, the space between the presynaptic neuron and postsynaptic receptors, which may be located either on another neuron to carry the signal downstream or onto the end organ to be affected. The acetylcholine binds to those receptors and activates them. Drugs act to potentiate or block the system. Direct sympathomimetics act directly as agonists at an adrenergic receptor. The main direct sympathomimetics are epinephrine, norepinephrine, isoproteranol, dopamine, dobutamine, and phenylephrine. Epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine are referred to as endogenous catecholamines because they are naturally found inside the body. The synthesis of these endogenous catecholamines begins with the amino acid tyrosine and then progresses to the active catecholamines dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine in that order. Epinephrine. Affinity for alpha-1 is equal to alpha-2, and affinity for beta-1 is equal to beta-2, with preference at low doses for beta-1. Therefore, because of the alpha-1 and beta-1 agonist activity, 
Epinephrine acts to vasoconstrict, increasing blood pressure, and increase cardiac output, respectively. The beta-2 agonist activity causes bronchodilation and increases blood flow to skeletal muscles. All of these should be intuitive. These are all things that you might need to happen when you are fighting an attacker. Clinically, this is used in anaphylaxis when an allergic reaction has caused histamine release with subsequent bronchospasm as well as wide-stream hypotension as a result of vasodilation. The epinephrine can help reverse these changes and save the patient's life. This drug is so important clinically that patients with a history of anaphylaxis carry an intramuscular epinephrine injector with them in case another anaphylactic reaction occurs. This drug is also used in severe asthma exacerbations to allow for bronchodilation and ease of breathing. Norepinephrine. Affinity for both alpha receptors is greater than for the beta-1 receptor. It has no significant beta-2 activity. Therefore, norepinephrine is primarily an excellent vasoconstrictor. It is used as a vasopressor, a drug that constricts blood vessels in septic shock. Dopamine, the immediate precursor to norepinephrine in the synthetic pathway. Dopamine at low doses causes renal vasodilation through D1 and D2 dopamine receptors. At medium doses, it causes beta-1 stimulation and increases cardiac output. At high doses, it causes alpha-1 activation and vasoconstriction. This is also used in treating the low blood pressure and septic shock. Isoproteranol. A pure beta agonist, beta 1 is equal to beta 2. Therefore, the drug will cause increased cardiac output from beta 1 activation as well as vasodilation and decreased blood pressure from beta 2 activation. This is rarely used clinically. Phenylephrine. A pure alpha 1 agonist. Phenylephrine is a potent vasoconstrictor that is used in various forms to decrease nasal congestion, such as nasal spray, increase blood pressure, such as IV, and even dilate pupils, such as eye drops, for eye examinations by activating the pupillary dilator muscle. Albuterol. A beta-2 agonist, albuterol is inhaled and relaxes smooth muscles in the airways, helping asthmatic patients breathe better. Salmeterol is another agent commonly used. It is longer acting. Tributylene. A beta-2 agonist, tributylene relaxes smooth muscles and has found its use in the treatment of premature labor as a tocolytic, something that decreases uterine contractions. It can also be used in asthma exacerbations as a bronchodilator. Indirect sympathomimetics work by either increasing release of catecholamines, such as amphetamines or ephedrine, or by preventing their reuptake into the presynaptic neuron, such as cocaine. These will generally increase sympathetic outflow, causing increased activity at all four adrenergic receptors, alpha-1, alpha-2, beta-1, and beta-2. Amphetamine is used in the treatment of attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, narcolepsy, and obesity. It causes increased release of endogenous catecholamines, this is similar to ephedrine, which can be used as a decongestant. Cocaine blocks reuptake of catecholamines and leaves them in the synaptic cleft to continue to stimulate receptors. In addition, there are many drugs that act to block these receptors or to reduce sympathetic outflow in general. These are called sympathoplegics or sympatholytics. Alpha-2 agonists, such as clonidine and methyldopa, Decrease sympathetic outflow because the alpha-2 receptor acts as negative feedback. Clonidine is used for the sympathetic surges that accompany opioid withdrawal 
and methyl dopa is used to treat hypertension in pregnancy because other blood pressure medications often have deleterious effects on the fetus. Alpha-1 antagonists block the smooth muscle constricting effects of the alpha-1 receptor. Phenoxybenzamine. This is an irreversible non-selective alpha antagonist, unlike phentolamine, which is reversible, which is used in the treatment of pheochromocytoma, a catecholamine-secreting tumor. The fact that it is irreversible is important because the high levels of catecholamine secreted by this tumor would displace reversible antagonists. By blocking vasoconstriction at the arterioles, hypotension is a common side effect. Prazosin, terazosin, and doxazosin. These are the alpha-1 antagonists that are primarily used for the prevention of smooth muscle contraction in the urinary tract to treat benign prostate hyperplasia. The enlarged prostate causes increased resistance to urinary flow out of the bladder. This medication helps relax the smooth muscle and aid in urination. Of course, the side effect is that it also would block vasoconstriction and has the potential to cause hypotension. Tamzolosin is a newer medication that is specific for the subtype of receptors in the urinary system. Beta antagonists, or beta blockers, are commonly used in patients with high blood pressure, myocardial infarction, supraventricular tachycardia, and heart failure. Recall that beta-1 stimulation causes the heart to increase in rate, positive chronotrope, and contractility, positive inotrope. Beta blockade prevents these responses, causing a decreased oxygen demand for the heart, as well as slowing it in patients with fast heart rates. These drugs typically end in LOL, i.e. propranolol, atenolol, metoprolol, and can either be beta-1 selective, such as atenolol or metoprolol, or non-selective for the beta receptor, such as propranolol. Cholinergic pharmacology. Cholinergic pharmacology addresses how drugs manipulate acetylcholine and their G-protein-linked muscarinic receptors to have their intended effects on the body, as seen in figure 7.9. Before this is discussed, a concept that has not been introduced yet must be briefly mentioned, the somatic nervous system. The somatic nervous system is used for voluntary movement and also uses acetylcholine as a neurotransmitter to cause muscle contraction through nicotinic receptors that are linked to ion channels. Therefore, drugs that act directly on muscarinic receptors will not affect the somatic nervous system, but drugs that increase the activity of acetylcholine will because they share the same neurotransmitter type. A description of exactly how nicotinic receptor activation leads to muscular contraction is covered in Chapter 12. There are two ways to increase muscarinic cholinergic transmission, either directly through muscarinic receptor agonists or indirectly by inhibiting acetylcholinesterase, the enzyme that degrades acetylcholine by splitting it into choline and acetate for recycling into the neuron. Both of these would be called cholinomimetic agents because they mimic acetylcholine's activity. The most commonly used example of a direct cholinomimetic is pilocarpine given as eye drops, as seen in figure 7.10. Pilocarpine works on the M3 muscarinic receptor on the pupillary sphincter muscle, causing contraction and meiosis, which is a constriction of the pupil. Study figure 7.10. The circular muscles of the iris sphincter will get smaller when contracted, causing pupillary constriction, whereas the dilator muscle under alpha receptor control will stretch back the iris and cause mydriasis, my d equals pupillary D or dilation. This drug is important in the treatment of angle closure glaucoma, 
in which the aqueous humor of the eye builds to high pressures as a result of blockage of the canal of Schlem. Angle closure glaucoma is often precipitated in susceptible individuals by dilation of the pupil, which increases the contact between the iris and the lens as the iris becomes scrunched up by compacting and thickening during dilation. Pilocarpine will constrict the pupil, helping restore normal flow of aqueous humor. There are also indirect cholinomimetics that function by blocking the breakdown of acetylcholine into acetate and choline. This prolongs the action of acetylcholine in the synapse. The indirect cholinomimetics include the reversible acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, such as edrophonium, pyridostigmine, and physostigmine, as well as pesticides, which are commonly irreversible acetylcholinesterase inhibitors. Edrophonium is a commonly tested medication because of it previously being a test for diagnosing myasthenia gravis, an autoimmune disease in which the body blocks and destroys the nicotinic receptors that the somatic nervous system uses for movement, leaving fewer functional nicotinic receptors and causing weakness. Edrophonium is a short-acting reversible acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, allowing more acetylcholine to attach to the nicotinic receptors that are still functioning, restoring strength. If the patient improved after administration, it was suggestive of the disease. Because the half-life of edrophonium is so short, treatment of myasthenia gravis is with pyridostigmine, which is longer acting. Pyridostigmine does not cross the blood-brain barrier and therefore does not affect the brain. Physostigmine crosses the blood-brain barrier and is therefore less commonly used, except in overdoses of anticholinergics that cross the blood-brain barrier. Too much activation of the parasympathetic nervous system as a result of cholinomimetics can lead to SLUDGE or sludge syndrome, a mnemonic toxidrome characterized by salivation, lacrimation, urination, defecation, gastrointestinal upset, and emesis. This is covered more in depth later in the section toxicology, but by now each of these symptoms should make sense given the activity of the cholinergic system. The parasympathetic nervous system through muscarinic receptors mediates the rest and digest response, salivation, urination, and defecation, as well as increased GI motility or GI upset are all direct parts of that response. Additionally, because of the pupillary sphincter muscle discussed previously, increased cholinergic tone will cause meiosis. Pilocarpine does not have these systemic effects because it is administered as eye drops which are not absorbed in large quantities into the systemic circulation. There are also muscarinic antagonists that are used to prevent activity at these receptors. Atropine is a common muscarinic antagonist that finds many uses. Eye drops of atropine analogs cause mitriasis because it blocks the iris constrictor muscle blocking constriction. In addition, it is used in the treatment of symptomatic bradycardia because the M2 receptor inhibits the sinus node, which is a pacemaker of the heart. Inhibiting the inhibitory receptor causes an increase in heart rate. Oxybutynin is used to inhibit urination in individuals with urinary incontinence, allowing the patient to feel less urinary urgency and be more comfortable. This works because the parasympathetic nervous system promotes urination. Oxybutynin blocks this response. Ipratropium is an inhaled muscarinic antagonist often used in the treatment of asthma and COPD. It decreases bronchial secretions and also opens the bronchi by blocking muscarinic-mediated bronchoconstriction. This is the end of part two of the pharmacology and toxicology chapter. 
With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step One podcast. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step One, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters. 